You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 375, Meghan Markle shuts a car door, how Spotify has killed off the long intro, and autumnal clothing traumas. It's all coming up after Ben Folds and Not the Same.
I heard this for the first time in years on Juliet's radio show this week, and it reminded me not only what a great track it is, but also the magnificent album it comes from. It's the 2001 album Rocking the Suburbs, mm. and from it Ben Folds and Not the Same. Absolutely, as uh, as my friend David said on mm. when commenting on the radio show, he said, "Oh, this is the uh, the best song ever about going up a tree, uh, taking acid, and coming back down, having uh, become a born again Christian." I'm not sure how <laughs> densely populated that subgenre is, but no, I'm a big fan of that mm. tune. I think it's great. I like Ben Foster. He's sort of maverick in the mm. same way of say Beck or Todd Rundgren. He sort of just um, ploughs his own furrow, to coin a cliche. Mm. Welcome to the podcast from the Parish Council. It's definitely episode 375. I'm Terence Stackham, and after a week in which she has played the Silla Black role in Matchmaking <laughs> Complete Strangers, it's Juliet Harris. Yes, absolutely me. I am, what can I say? I am, mm. I am, you know, I am here, I am with it, I'm here for all of your matchmaking needs. I, I think we should explain that you were in a, I think you were DJing in a bar, and yes, you were trying absolutely. to matchmake uh, some uh, two, strangers. Two chaps mm. at the bar, yes, anybody that is a, a consumer of my Twitter hashtag content will very much, uh, I hope mm. will very much enjoy the, uh, mm. the, the non-love story that was unfolding in front of me. Who knows, maybe they will meet again. It certainly made quite a quiet gig quite entertaining anyway although i am very sorry for um, i seem to have this knack of playing inappropriate songs at various points <laughs> of the sort of interactions so when one of the chap's friends turned up and the other one looked a bit sad about this that was not the time to play don't you want me yet before no. i before it, that started happening i you know that that was i just queued that up so you know what else could you do really but anyway yeah should anybody else wish to come and see me dj and be match made probably match made rather probably mm. against probably against their will with someone else then do feel free not not a, not a topic in our, in our podcast this week but a story that um was relayed to me during the during the week yeah, so this, about is, your this week. is um a bonus hashtag content but exactly bonus content um my friend paul um takes the uh, tube the piccadilly line into mm. central london every day uh, where he works and he was telling me uh, he absolutely swears this is a true story that there were two schoolboys. 12, 13, 14, something like that on the tube with him and they were having a discussion about Brexit and mm. um, one of the boys said, oh um, you know, he was saying that the teachers have been talking about it, his mum and father have been talking about it how Britain was moving away from Europe and they, mm. they were having a discussion about, they, they had despite being about 13 or 14 years old that Britain was actually literally moving physically further away from Europe and they were wondering how this was going to happen and it was a serious discussion, they were saying, yes but so are are we moving further out into the ocean? And it was because they oh apparently goodness. their parents have said it's going to take longer to get to Europe. I assume the parents were talking about, you know, delays at airports. But yeah, these youngsters were having a dis discussion on the tube about how Britain was actually going to be towed out into the Atlantic Ocean to be further away from Europe, which says a great deal about the educational standards in our schools. I mean, one worries, really. One it's, one not, it's not very easy to say anything other than that. That. There's, there's no doubt, though, about the big story of the uh, week, Jules. It, it resounded around the world with mm. the result of incisive think pieces and heavyweight editorials all around the world. On Tuesday, 25th of September 2018, the Duchess of your Sussex... Mm, uh, the, the, my, my, very much my Sussex. <laughs> I'm pleased to have them as our, our, our Duke and mm. Duchess. They seem very mm. nice. The, the, the former Meghan Markle, as as mm. was, she closed a car door. Now, 
sensational news, whichever way you look at it. And, <laughs> and many people are saying, and so she should, as we live in an age of less deference and we seem to want the royal family to be more down to earth. But... This all reminded me uh, of when dear old Downton Abbey was on TV a couple of years ago and people said how awful it was that Lady Mary had a maid to help her put her jewellery on and how indulgent to have a footman for this and an under-butler for that. And this this all misses the point that this was... This, this sort of seeming indulgence was actually acts of beneficence and philanthropy because in Victorian England and up to the Second World War, people with uh, land and, and money knew they didn't need these dozens of maids and servants, of course. But with the Industrial Revolution, hundreds and hundreds of, um, I don't know, say mill worker jobs mm. could now be overseen by a couple of dozen people. So if Hugh Bonneville and Maggie Smith didn't employ all these people, they would have starved in the fields and mm. on the streets. So bringing it up to date, although the Duchess of your Sussex were, meant well, if she starts closing her own car doors, she'll be doing some poor soul out of a job. <laughs> so I was thinking, Jules, you must never let your parlour maid go because we, we, we know you could do your own dusting. But like Lord Grantham of Downton Abbey, you, you sort of exemplify altruism and largesse by employing all of your servants. Well, there is a very, very peculiar parallel here, which I'm slightly embarrassed to talk about. But because I am, you know, unlike many people in this world, self-aware, I, um, I, I will have a chat about this now. So, so I would at first, um, of course, make the overarching point that we do not live in Victorian Britain anymore. I'm sorry to bring that up oh, as a detail, oh but Lord. we don't live in Victorian Britain anymore. So, oh you know, sadly or not sadly, depending on, um, you know, what your views are on, you know, need, need, you know, needless, oh. needless deaths. That could have been prevented you know if, you, if yeah. you're into those then obviously i'm sorry we're not in victorian britain yeah. anymore but if you if you're not a fan of them then you know welcome to the modern world um we <laughs> so i have i when well, no, I, I you know as a mm. young middle class woman that is mm. quite busy mm. i took the operational decision a while ago that i would employ a cleaner Ooh. So I would. I do have one member of quote unquote staff. I, I feel like I could be writing into a um, into an agony aunt column about this because that member of paid quote unquote staff who I pay, I have a monthly banker's order going to them so that they can come and visit to clean my my flat twice a month. Right. Um, um, and it goes out twice a month, and they have keys, and I trust them to access my property. That's because that person is my mother. I didn't know anyone else that I really trusted to do it so much yeah. and she does do a bloody good job and I would point out at this point that my mother uh, she doesn't have many clients anymore but she was at one point basically do it, basically a sort of freelance cleaner so she was actually mm. mostly cleaning for the elderly and me so she had she did a lot of home helping stuff for elderly people so she was sort of a private home health so it wasn't just like I was paying her to do something random that was genuinely what she was doing as a job and I just thought oh I you know I trust her to do this why not you know but at one point I when relations were not good between the two of us I was thinking of perhaps letting you know letting letting her go and she said <laughs> Actually, yeah, so that's, that's a bit much on it, but I was a bit down on myself and thought, oh, maybe I should be able to do this myself. And she said, you know, oh, um, you know, but I need that money every month. And so I would have literally been doing someone out of a job that mm. needed the money. So so it is fraught, that situation, mm. or it could be fraught. But then having said that, it isn't at the moment, and it works absolutely fine. But yes, so I see your point that there mm. could be a parallel of, oh, well, what if you make someone out of a job? But my other view is, my, my other view is, this, is a, this isn't just her 
employing someone for a job because you know that's what she's doing to make her life easier as i do with my mum being my cleaner she does it because she ought to Mm. She, she does it as you say because it is how it works you know this mm. is this is what you know this is my 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 irritants about it in that people we've always done it this way as people always say mm. and because of their 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 privilege and their status and i do actually like them very much so i'm not you know i'm not snarking at them personally but because of that it's not about them personally clearly from the fact that she, the fact that she shows she wants to shut her own car door means that clearly that's how she wants to live her life but you know it's very I think it's it's needless in this day and age. Mm. And you know, I'm not an anti-monarchist. I I I was a rep- I was a, a, a stout Republican when I was younger, and now I'm probably a little bit. I wouldn't sound wildly pro pro royal, but I'm considerably less anti than I was. Particularly as the younger royals have come to the fore, and they actually seem to be quite enlightened like this. So mm. I'm glad to see the royal family modernising. Um, I, yeah, I just I find it so 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 peculiar that we live in such a mad age that this is worldwide news. Past partly because mm. of the Americans' fascination with our royal family, mm. I think that's one of the things that keeps it in the world news. I think. Um, yeah. yeah, I I I'm bemused by this story, but I don't quite buy the oh they're keeping people in jobs things. I find mm. that a bit of a strange. Thing. Okay. Oh, look at it from the sort of other side of the coin. Um, we, we know that my pomposity reaches sort of astronomical proportions, but I could never be. I just couldn't be that door, the, the door opener or closer for the royal family or, or any sort of servant or footman or butler. I simply wouldn't last five minutes. It's something deep inside me. I just can't show deference mm. to anyone. If I met the Queen, I couldn't find it within myself to bow. And if I were a woman, I wouldn't, I just couldn't do that Theresa May curtsy thing. Yeah, oh, that, but I mean, that is ridiculous, in fairness. It, it is, yes, it's extreme to the, the, the ludicrous. I did sit down with the the old Queen Mother at the races once, uh, which is a story in itself. And although she was rather grand, she didn't seem at all bothered that I didn't bow or genuflect oh. or whatever. I, I just can't do that sort of no, forelock cutting thing. I don't know about you. It's it's why I'm unmanageable in any sort of employment. <laughs> I just can't bear I, having I, people tell me what to do. Absolutely. I mean, whereas I, I, mean, I do a job where I work for clients. Mm. So sometimes I have people on the phone who are extremely unreasonable. Not often, it has to be said. Most of the people, the people that I work for, are really, really lovely. But we get some people on the phone who are, you know, mm. they don't get it. And and some, particularly when I worked at a what we what we lovingly referred to as a bargain bucket conveyance, so one of the kind of online oh, yeah. volume firms. I often used to deal with people who were horrible, really horrible. Mm. There's one particular address in Hastings that every time I drive past it, I think of the horrible man that used to <laughs> live there, um, who would insist on addressing me by my first name and then every time I addressed him by my first name insisted that I call him mister I mean and he was you know two years older than me he was one of those idiots basically and um it's it's you know I I there are times when you know you have to bite your tongue and I do find that pretty tricky I must admit when someone is you know mm. telling you how to do your job when oh, they patently God. don't mm. know and you know they use that phrase oh well I'm paying you to do this that's that's that always sets my teeth on edge it doesn't happen often but occasionally it does and it does make me want to kill I must admit although I, at, at, at the time of doing this podcast I never have mm. just I just want to get one another 
um, view from you on on um, this sort of philanthropy, the modern age philanthropy, which you know you've, you've said, you said you don't agree with the car door thing and all that. Um, yeah. When, when we go when we go around the country, especially if visiting stately homes or grand houses, whatever you know, national trust or whatever, you often see a, a folly, a building put up for no particular purpose, mm. a tower or a gatehouse or whatever. And again, our instinct might be to say, oh, what a self indulgence! You know, this bloke obviously had more money than sense, or this woman had more money than sense. <laughs> Yeah, but then, then again, this was often an act of kindness to local builders. Even though no work was needed, the landowner back in, uh, you know, perhaps the 1800s mm. uh, employed local people to build the folly, to give them a job and a living, as many mm. people were too proud to accept charity. So there is another side to it all. Not exactly socialism there, but more a sort of benign form of channeling wealth to those less well off. Mm. Do you disagree with that as well? I'm not, I don't disagree with it i'm a little cynical about it mm. because because of course they had the added benefit of this huge folly on their land so they could shout hey guys look at me <laughs> aren't favorite, i wacky yeah. and interesting so i am a little bit i am i'm a little bit like having said that that one of my ancestors in my family was a and this might not necessarily surprise you that much that this <laughs> chap is one of my ancestors a chap that was quite um that was quite sort of famous in sussex history and that's not the thing that i think mm. well it wouldn't surprise you he was um, he was a politician that was known locally as a Mad Jack Fuller. Um, <laughs> this is the bit that I thought might not surprise you. He was Squire of Brightling in East oh, Sussex, which is quite near to where my parents live. And he was a politician who sat in the House of Commons hmm. um, in, from the 1780s to the 1810s, I think. And he was a... Um, and this is why I'm, I'm slightly cynical of, of the philanthropy hmm. of various people, because I'll read you from the Wikipedia. Hmm. Um, see if you can spot the odd one out in this sentence. <laughs> He was a builder of follies, philanthropist, patron of the arts and sciences, and a supporter of slavery. Oh, oh dear. I mean, it, it, it's going really well, isn't it? Mm, it was going great like, until that loss. It, 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 yeah. it isn't. So he did go to Eton. I can't believe that this person is in my family lineage. But anyway, <laughs> so um, he, he was a big fan of J.M.W. Turner and was a sponsor and mentor to Michael Faraday, the, uh, the, mm. the scientist that pretty much discovered electricity. So... Um, he, he, yeah. So my view is, is that obviously there are people that really do mean well, but I think one has to look at these matters in the round. So yes, mm. wasn't it good that he supported local people by building his endless <laughs> follies, of which there were loads, luckily, by the way. So I can't say that there mm. aren't. But equally, um, perhaps it also would have been good to support people. Was was putting people into slavery giving them jobs, Terence? That would be my my question. On this. Yes, yes. I I I, I think uh, he went once one step too far there. Did your uh, ancestor? Yeah, I, I think that was, I think that was a bit much, frankly, mm. Mad Jack. Coming up, how Spotify has killed off long intros. Uh, that's next. Um, don't worry if you're on the school run. It's the radio-friendly version mm, of Girlfriend. Well done, Terry. Yes. Yeah. From Christine and the Queens. Chris. Sure. 
sucker for single word spoken word sections so i like spoken word sections in mm. records but just him saying chris for me <laughs> it was absolutely terrific in the same way as um justin timberlake stopping the song to just say drums in like i like you or like i love you was also excellent i know that's quite a niche thing but anyway mm. I, I i did think this woman's great i do mm. love her kind of um I see her as my generation's prince, and she is always very open to the fact that she that she was very influenced by Prince. A couple of years mm. ago, I saw her performing on the Hootenanny on uh, on for Jules Holland on mm. BBC Two, and she it was I think it was the year that Prince had died, mm. and she um, she was singing one. She did her song that um, that she did with that was kind of sort of in a spotlight with lots of backing dancers behind her dancing in a certain way, and at the end they did do a little bit of I feel for you. Oh, okay. And um, and or rather, they didn't do the actual singing bit because Shaka Khan was also a guest, so they left that to her. But they did do this kind of amazing dance sequence to the um, to the uh, the the why 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 Shaka Khan bit at the beginning. Oh, so um, so it was it was very good. So mm. I know I'm a fan of Christine, and she she's mm. often on um. 
Just an on radio program, Strictly Radio Six. They they interview her quite a lot. She, they, I think her record company have pushed this quite a, as she would say in that record, push it, push it, push it. I think they've pushed her record quite, you know, quite quite hard in the, on the promotional sense. But she's always good value. She always comes across as good fun. Yeah, yeah, quite down to earth. So I'm a. I'm a fan of her particularly. What I meant to say to you was in order to avoid radio editing, you could have just played the French version instead of the English <laughs> Because apparently she's yes. done the album in French as well yes. as English. And it might have, you know, it might have offended some of our French listeners, small children, but mm. I'm not sure how big a sub how big That's a kind of true. subset that is. So mm. in future I will try and pick sweary songs in other languages so that we can try <laughs> and sneak it past people. That was Christine and the Queens and um, that was Girlfriend. It's a great song. I really love it. I do, I do feel I know it intimately after I spent an hour remixing it on Thursday afternoon. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad to have given you that joy, Terence. Yeah, I have to, I, I, as, as she would say, je ne, je ne regrette rien. <laughs> One of my friends was talking about um, Paul McCartney the other day, and he said, to, he, he said to me that he wasn't going to buy McCartney's new album as he believed his voice had gone. So I said, mm. well, why are you even thinking of buying it? Why don't you preview it on Spotify and listen and find out if his voice is OK? in your opinion and if you like the album and my, <laughs> you, I like that rather hooty in your opinion yeah, yes. yeah, in your opinion in the, the, the opinion of the jury um, my friend looked at me in, in astonishment and said he, he'd never thought of that before but this is, this is one way that Spotify has, has and continues to revolutionise our re- relationship with music and I, ser- I actually I certainly do agree with you that the digital transformation with 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 uh, um, it's music. It's, it's got this negative side. I, I really do miss holding an actual physical mm. product. And that... see, after after all of those years of you mm. ragging on my my <laughs> for vinyl, I'm glad you're finally on the board well, of the bus. Yeah. It did give you a more direct relationship with an album, with the lyrics, Absolutely, the photos, yeah. sleeve notes, and so on. Um, and, and it would give an album a certain personality. And you, of course, you don't have that relationship with streaming, of course. But though, but there is always going to be a but. I do believe the positives out way all that in that it's the practicality as we said before i can listen to just about any track or piece of music at any time with the minimum of effort just a couple of clicks especially in the car you know you can't carry an album in the car cds and so on a bit of a pain to carry your entire record collection about so but the thing is though what what it has brought it's it's so easy now with uh, YouTube works this way as well, but Spotify, mm-hmm. you can skim through an album in, in in a matter of I don't know about a minute to see if it leaps out at you. And but one intended, one unintended result of Spotify and streaming is the death of the long intro because Spotify mm. pays if the listener stays with a track for over 30 seconds you see I did not know that that I, in itself is quite is quite an indictment isn't it really? it, it really does so songwriters now know they have to grab you very quickly because of that 30 second rule the the average intro in the 1980s uh, was about 20 seconds today the average is 5 seconds before I'm the singer I'm fascinated by this facting mm. well done Terence. this is great <laughs> um, but you know well well, is this a bad thing? The old school, uh, mm. the old school music publishers used to urge songwriters, "Don't bore us, get to the chorus." Mm. And um, how has how has this affected you, Jules? Do you have the patience to now in, in the modern era? Now, do you sit through a sixty-second intro? <laughs> well, it's interesting mm. you should say this because I often listen to music with two different heads on. Mm. 
So, well, well, three, I suppose. But no, we'll say two because I think mm. that there are two holes of the same walnut, as somebody once said, on, a, on one of the heads. So my, I, I listen to it as a, as a music buff and officiator, someone that really enjoys listening to music. So there are – and, and I, I will either listen to that sitting at home or I'll listen to it driving in the car. Mm. And either way, I'm, I'm happy – if it's a band that I really like, so it's something like Warpaint, for example, they often have quite long intros. Some of their their records are quite dreamy and they they go quite deep, and I really like that. I'm more than happy to sit, you know, not to like, sit through it, but to enjoy it. I really like their music, and if it's a band whose music I really enjoy, or is it something that I hear, on, you know, that I hear, I find interesting? Yes, I will sit with it. I also listen to music as somebody that has a radio program mm. and somebody that DJs out in bars and unless it is something that people already know in bars they wouldn't necessarily and which depends what time of the evening it is but once it goes past half nine people really want hits so um mm. so i would not play that then shall we say i mean early on in the evening i would play some of my jazz things something like riders on the storm or something mm. like that that would take a while to get going um when i used to do my radio show and this will obviously make anybody that is unhappy with this Spotify turn of events mm. clutch their pearls slightly. Um, <laughs> I would, I, when I was trying to pick new music for the show, and I still like this to some extent, um, I would put something on and it would have 20 to 30 seconds to grab me usually. Mm. And if, if I, if I didn't, if it didn't grab me, I would dump it. If it was by so, an artist I'd otherwise liked, or I thought, oh, this is, I, I could like this, but it's not really doing anything. I would then, because I use um, iTunes, other fruit-based software is mm. available. I would, I would pick up the um, the scroller thing, and I would. It's not like you have to fast forward a tape, Terence, or find the next <laughs> bit, or pick the needle up and redrop it halfway into the track. I would just, I would just whiz it along to halfway through, and then have a listen there. And if it had got going, I would think, oh, well, I'll listen to the track properly then. Mm. And if it hadn't, then I think, oh, I'm going to dump it. But because the problem is, is that when you're picking stuff for radio play and when you're picking stuff to play in a bar it has to be instant because mm. people are concentrating potentially on other things other than you so you're sort of competing for their attention i think so i i think in that sense radio play has because i mean the, 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 going back on this i know you say interesting that the intros were were longer then mm. 20 seconds still isn't that long for an mm. intro i don't think which just goes to show that how and i you know i'm as bad as anyone phones etc have slightly shot our our, mm. our concentration capacity and you know and i'd be lying if i said that i wasn't included in that so so maybe that's a bit of a, a sort of a, a depressing a depressing turn of events but i still think and you'll probably be able to answer this better than me mm. in the 80s is when these were the average times of intros were they played in full on the radio or were they cut well i think i think they were played in full from my mm, memory okay okay because mm, I, I was trying to think of um songs with long intros of that era and i was thinking hotel california 52 seconds of course um we might be playing one at the end that's got a, from the 80s that's got Absolutely, a fairly long yeah. intro, I think. Well, you see, then I checked out um, the Dire Straits' awful Money for Nothing. That's uh, over. <laughs> Look, you, you rag on everything I like. I quite like Dire Straits. <laughs> well, it. it's the lyrics that I. I oh, I yes, take so the lyrics have yeah. not aged well. No. Yes, that's a um, fair uh, that's over two minutes before the vocal comes in, and I don't have a memory of Tony Blackburn or Noel Edmonds, you know, talking right over the whole. Mm, so I don't okay. do think this. Um, and of that 
similar on that theme i was thinking the who's barbara o'reilly it wouldn't sound right if roger daughtry chimed in after five seconds and then uh, bowie's sound and vision blue monday of course mm. temptations papa was a rolling stone all of them create oh, yes an, that's got a massively says, long intro it really it? has I, but it creates an atmosphere oh it in the does because i was vocal. playing that i don't if i did play that when i was doing on friday night and i played that fairly early on mm. because I knew because I've always wanted to play it but it always seems to get too late for me to play those sort of records King of the Road as well by Roger Miller mm. I always seem to miss my window to play that but again you know they take a while to get going but they build up a certain sort of atmosphere don't mm. they? they 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 set exactly. out their stall yeah I think it's a real shame that in the quest for hits we now get these songs written by committee with all the soul ripped out of them and of course it it works and it's hit single writing to an almost mathematical formula but it made me think that um in in 2018 jerry rafferty's record company would be saying this one minute intro to baker street you know can you cut it back to five seconds and of course the whole atmosphere would be lost and when that was uh, a hit and was played on the radio you didn't get djs talking all over um the the sax intro you know it's it's regrettable i think it it is i agree although can i just point out Hmm. at this point i i'm i'm quite entertained by the fact that that you have been vocal to use Hmm. the expression on your hatred of instrumentals um mm. and how you you know you, you <laughs> resent me playing certain mm. types of instrumentals and yet you are happy for there to be an extended instrumental set <laughs> at the beginning of a song i think i just i'm just leaving that there as young people say yes i mean i mean some people would, would accuse me of of double standards i know <laughs> I, I would i would never accuse you of that terence i'm starting the campaign to keep long intros i'm marching mm. through whitehall this week with a placard uh you know just st- i, I will join you with my placard saying why not make the, in- the introduction the whole song oh oh i don't i don't know <laughs> that's at, how it starts Terence. i suppose so yes, yes. yes at this time of year newspapers tell us it's time to freshen up our wardrobe and go out spending thousands on the new <laughs> autumnal colors it's cobblers of course isn't it well let's check out if Juliette is going to automize her wardrobe. Um, <laughs> that's right. Uh, that's right. That's next. Uh, right after this lovely new track from Paul Weller. I got the key to my home. I don't need nothing else. I watch the evening sky. Boy, and it's painting itself. Colors and shades to help my mind appraise. Simple beauty unfolds. It struck me deep in my bones. I'm moving on. The moment fire.
got love all around I don't need nothing else that, That's from a, a really ace new album from Paul Weller. It's a change of mood in many ways from his most recent albums. This is a really... Uh, reflective and thoughtful collection of songs, well worth checking out actually on Spotify mm. or wherever Indeed, you like. Yes, but iTunes, make sure wherever. that you stick with them. Mm. I, I take your point. Um, recorded in three weeks. <laughs> Have you got any instrumentals on this album? <laughs> <laughs> recorded in three weeks at Black Barn Studios in Ripley uh, from his new album, True Meanings. Uh, Paul Weller and Moving On. Um, there's a, there's a word that really irritates me when I see it used in the media. You see it on, mm. on YouTube when people show you how to plant a daffodil bulb. You see it on the mail online when they borrow a story from somewhere else about how to save money on airplane fares or something. This week, The Guardian used it in the context of autumn fashion and clothes. The word is hack. Uh, it's, it's oh, a, yes, it's in life hacking. I yes. really hate that word. Six hacks to turn your hot weather mm. staples into outfits Perfect for rustling through autumn leaves and so on. Well, mm. these are. Oh, see, I'm, I'm, I've always been happy mm. with hints or tips. I don't see why we needed to move on from that. They are suggestions and tips, Jules. They're not hacks, mm. exactly. Anyway, the Guardian writer's hacks um, en- entailed you spending over £600 on a total of four <laughs> items to automise your wardrobe. One, one item was what looked like a string vest, 80 quid at Topshop. <laughs> um, now, this led me to one of these um, is it just me moments? Essentially, I wear similar outer clothes, whatever the month. Trousers, you'll be pleased to hear, uh, a shirt, maybe a jacket or a waistcoat. And then the big change, when it's cold, I'll wear a coat and scarf as well. Mm. Now, that's it. I don't winterize, spring eyes or anywise. I wear more <laughs> clothes in winter, fewer clothes in summer. Now, Jules, is it just me? Do you have seasonal clothing? Well, I i mean, I know some women that do, that do sort of oh, no. rotate things around their, their wardrobe. They have a sort of a, an, an intricate sort of sit, a, a chest of drawers slash wardrobe really? slash rail sort of rotation system, which I have to say I am, you know, I, I'm admiring of whilst having no intention of doing it myself. I did have a refresh, as people would say, of my wardrobe. Mm. Uh, we would call it a clear out, Terence, but I believe <laughs> yes, that there exactly. is this kind of dual language going on mm. fairly recently. So there is now a 16-year-old Hastings who is gleefully posting her own shirt selfies of me of her in my shirts apparently which I'm delighted oh, by but um my friend's granddaughter but um mm. I I um I you know I I I like you I fear the use of the word mm. of the of the terms like automize I find that to be sort of face clutchingly wrong even though it is my guardian um <laughs> yes I see your point about the string vest um I I think that this whole piece is just written in such a way that is that I find deeply irritating mm. um she said buy add-ons to make sure you don't catch your death going outside of the sundress in deepest October surely this is just common sense mm. I think this is feeding in to older people's ideas that millennials would get hit by a car if by walking out into the middle of the road because they've had to force themselves to be 12 years old for the rest mm. of their lives i find that very odd i find the way that you know um layer up preferably in neon i mean where to oh, even start God. with that really and it kind of um apparently kim kardashian um it, it's all her fault apparently oh. she's had so she's had a hand in trends ranging from tiny sunglasses to duster coats and cycling shorts they didn't comment if they're all at the same time that wouldn't surprise me and apparently she's um She's really into neon. Vogue went so far as to say she is owning autumn's ne- 
on trend. Apparently, she um, she wore a rubber bandage dress, um, allegedly, so I don't know. But I I find a lot of this very confusing. Um, strike a chord with this autumn classic. Well, I wear corduroy. You know, I don't need the Guardian <laughs> to tell me to wear corduroy. I'm very into it anywhere. Will you be wearing statement leggings this year, Terence? Because that is another thing that we're apparently meant to be doing. Um, there's a perversity about this, I'm mm. finding hard. They're telling us that we have to... Um, and I'm going to use, regrettably use their phrase, pimp up your open-toed sandals with some snazzy socks. Now, you see, I use the word snazzy, mm. and I'm offended by that, I must mm. admit. I, I, like you, I don't need lots of words. This does smack of, you know, a, a paper that needs to fill copy, I think, is, mm. is, is possibly the thing. Um, it, I, having said that, I do like those socks with the ladybirds on them for £3. That was the only thing that appeared to be affordable <laughs> in this kind of in this kind of thing. I, um, yeah, like you i don't need fancy words to say that you wear more clothes when it's slightly sure. colder mm. and less clothes when less clothes when it's slightly sunnier am i automizing my wardrobe no i'm not wearing my flamingo shorts anymore <laughs> because it is too cold not because you know i want to refresh mm. for the for the next season i'm wearing it because i don't want to die of hypothermia you know so so yeah i i i find lots of you know as they would have it snazzy words for what is essentially common sense to be um the smack of a paper that is unfortunately in widely documented financial trouble although they are not the only ones that, that pull this kind of stunt mm. I must admit but um, yeah I find I find you know this has the whiff of what should we write about now for me rather than and I don't mm. blame the individual journalist she was oh. obviously commissioned to write mm. it but you know I, I have yeah, I, 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 you know, like you, I just think, oh, I'll put a jumper on now because it's quite... A I mean, it takes me a while. I've always had this kind of slight disparity about me, which means that I sometimes find it difficult. I, I, I can lock out rather than lock in of what's going on around me. So my mum has always said that I have this talent where I can kind of read to the exclusion of anything else going on around me. I kind of have my own ill-built noise-cancelling headphones that are just my <laughs> ears, really. I don't need them. So, so I, you know, I, it does... T therefore, I will be sitting in, a, in, a, in my house for about three weeks before someone will come around and go, it's really cold in here. Should you not be wearing a jumper? And I go, oh, yeah, actually, that's a really good <laughs> idea because my hands are blue. And then I will start wearing a jumper. So, so I, yeah, I, I, perhaps I might need this advice to help me. I don't know. But um, I like to think, that even I have got to the stage where I put jumpers on not to be trendy and fashionable but because it is quite cold and that's probably a good thing to do and and I, I think if people do automise their wardrobes and to, to go back full circle to what mm. I started talking about with some of my friends that do it smacks of people that have lots and lots and lots of clothes if mm. you were trying to rot if you're having to rotate then that says to me that you do have a lot of clothes whereas I just put the jumpers at the front and the t-shirts at the back Autumn and, and winter do bring one of my uh, many secret fears to the surface, though it won't be secret after I tell you about it now. But, um, no, but, but in the safety of the podcast, exactly, sort of bunker, yeah. we'll, we'll look after Terence at the time. I, I need it because I can't bear um, feeling trapped in clothes. I could never wear a polo neck jumper mm. for example i mean they are deeply irritating oh, in fairness. very itchy and scratchy aren't they mm. often yeah. yes but both of those uh, both of those cartoon mice mm. and, uh, and cats from the uh, simpsons program anything that clutches around my throat very claustrophobic if i wear a scarf i have to wear it very very loose and i wear it in a sort of loop halfway down my bosom um so that uh, you know it's not around my throat so that's <laughs> <laughs> thank you for that really really worrying image um so so in terms of cl 
clothes that are uncomfortable. Mm. If we want to riff on this for a minute, mm. um, as as a as, you know, as a woman, I, mm. I feel like this is one mm. position in my life for which I can comment with authority. Um, I, I I'm always very entertained when dungarees make an occasional comeback. Oh yes. Now my friend is always teasing me. He's a bit of a lad, bless him. He's always teasing me about you know being a lesbian and how mm. that means I should wear dungarees, particularly denim dungarees, because mm. you know that is our fashion culture. He's it's the same chap that often buys me Joan Arbor trading LPs as a joke from various boot sales. I do, I am very fond of Paul, but anyway, so, so <laughs> many people wouldn't be, but I am. So, um, so, so speaking as a woman, I don't understand the dungaree revival simply because they are not good for if you want to wee. Oh, they Lord, are, yes, it must are. be a real performance, and, and, mustn't and, it? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And to some extent, you had to get yellow triangle out and stuff. Mm. It's pretty bad. And, 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 and also on the same principle now you might remember again that people would sort of said oh this is to be called infantile millennials but there, there's been a sort of a onesie craze over the last mm. three years and onesies are basically like a, a romper suits for grown-ups essentially mm. and they have a zip up the front and having held out against the the craze for some some time um i in the end decided that i would get one mm. and there was a very nice fleet this is in the winter and i mm. thought oh you know i would like to be warmer at home see I've, i'm growing i'm realizing that i need to be warm so mm. i went to tesco's and bought one that's a fleecy one and it's very nice i mean it is meant to be christmas themed i think because it's red and white and it seems to have reindeer on it but i i you know I, i've just interpreted them as deer in general so so i can wear it in november and january as well but i you know i'm very fond of it and I didn't quite get the whole onesie culture thing mm. until the first time I was, you know, moved to visit a toilet and you unzip it. And if you're wearing it as pyjamas, you are essentially naked when you're using the <laughs> toilet. And that is that is quite a strange experience mm. the first time. So, so yeah, it, the, the inconvenience of certain things mm. is... I'm, I'm so, you know, I, I presume there'll be some kind of boiler suit revival next or something. Anything to make life as inconvenient as possible. What should be the simple act of wearing clothes? In 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 the middle class comfort, of course, we really need autumnal winter wardrobes because uh, if we're lucky, we step out of our centrally heated homes into heated cars and then into heated restaurants or shops. So the need to wear seasonal clothing is is rendered pointless. Um, but I I, I realise that this traditionally this false idea of seasonal wear it's an invention, of course, um, as you've alluded to of the of the clothing and fashion and press uh industries yeah, yeah, yeah i mean you, you did put your finger on the point early on in, mm. in, in our chat on this which is that you know the article is encouraging you to spend hundreds of oh, pounds so there is a ridiculous. there is a purpose behind this as well as what appears to be friendly life advice i mean maybe with the death of the high street maybe these ridiculous seasonal fashion hacks hacks will die out uh, with it well, i'm not i'm not convinced by that because mm. although people won't be selling on the high street anymore they will be selling online there still will be people selling things yes now when you're not um matchmaking complete strangers or accessorizing your wardrobe this week where where might we find you juliet oh that is a very fair question mm. um so um, let's have a look and see. According to the diary, mm. I will be doing um, Indie Wonderland. Oh, good! Great show last that week. Really enjoyed. Thank you very it. much. And that will be on Wednesday, 
3rd of October, 8 to 10 p.m., barricaderadio.com. Um, on Saturday, the 6th of October, um, Go-Kart Mozart, which is basically mm. Lawrence from Felt's latest mm. project, is playing at the Printworks in Hastings, and I have been asked to DJ, so I will hopefully be doing some tunes between the bands and possibly afterwards as well. So so if you wish to uh, to check in with me, those are your opportunities. I, I like old Lawrence from Felt. Mm, he, he he's keeps, an interesting character. Mm. He's a very interesting character. I had a conversation with a, an indie pop star from the from the eighties and nineties recently, and he Lawrence certainly has his. Um, I think you want to live with him for a while. Mm. Lawrence certainly has his quirks, but mm. he produces some really interesting and lovely music. I think, and and the thing I like about him is he keeps moving. Look. So he did Felt, and then he did Denim, and then he did something else. I haven't seen the film about him, which is meant to be fascinating, mm. by the way. Yes, I haven't either, but I, I intend to as well because I think it gives that, that insight into the mm. rather um, other other side of of his, mm. his his character. Thanks to you for listening, and thanks to executive producers Rona and Hilly to play us out. Oh, one of my favourite and one of the most underrated bands in modern history, Jules. Well, absolutely, yes. And this, this, how much I deeply love this record, which I really, really do, was kind of, um, was kind of shaken to me the other day because there's been a, an excellent programme. There's been a number of excellent programmes on BBC Two recently, but there's been something called The Mighty Red Car, which is oh, on, on yes. Thursday nights. It's just been glorious. Um, that basically explains the stories of uh, just ordinary people that live in red car, um, uh, which is, you know, often, often moving often upsetting often uplifting it's just fabulous really and the, the tales are told in the people's own words and it is just it's the sort of thing i love watching on tv i think it's brilliant and uh, the thing that they've done and i wonder if the makers of the program might be making a political point with this mm. given that often some of the themes are struggles to get work amongst mm. young people and sort of deprivation and the occasional breakup of families and that sort of thing there is a very strong 80s pop soundtrack to the to the whole program i wonder if that's suggesting that we might be there again i don't know but um particularly in the north i think for whom the 80s is still a still a bad time and might even have possibly uh, started a thought process that led to the events of a couple of years ago politically here but um i i do really really love this song um it has a very long intro like you say mm-hmm. this really that is evidence to the point you were making i don't know i didn't know we were going to talk about that so mm. so that is actually really really kind of prophetic of both of us in a way but it should remind me this song because i was i was uh, again this always upsets people i'm sorry but i was a child when this came out and um <laughs> i was I, I have fond memories of skipping from the top to the bottom of a hill because i had a song in my head that i really liked and i was skipping to the beat and i reached the bottom of the hill and looked up to see my frantic mum and nan at the top of the hill who wondered where I'd gone and I now live around the corner from that hill rather nicely but um, Mm. it was to this song and I find myself it's about a 15 minute drive to work for me and the thing about listening to music on Spotify or if you pick an individual track on Apple Music the iTunes thing which I tend to use most of the time if you've just picked one song it will loop it so so it doesn't move on to the next track of the album, so there isn't one. So it just thinks, oh, I'll start again. The, mm. I'll start this playlist of one song again. And I've had a few journeys recently where all I've listened to is everybody wants to rule the world this song three times in a row and it is and it is it's so addictive it's that kind of unspooling riff of the guitars and it's and it just chimes and i just think it's a wonderful record and it's 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 melancholic yet uplifting at the same time which is why it's perfect they use it on the adverts for the mighty red car so i think that's why i've been hearing it so much and yesterday i 
long story short, I had to recover. Well, it was very pleasant, but I did have to slightly recover from a baby shower I was required to attend. And on the way home, decided that the best way of sorting this out, sorting it myself out afterwards, was to go and look at towels in Dunham Mill, which was very enjoyable actually. <laughs> and they had Mary's pop tunes on the radio, and this came on, and I thought, ah, oh, clearly, clearly, we're meant to be me in this song. I just think this is this is wonderful, and the opening line I think is is particularly mm. powerful. So this is um, everybody wants to rule the world by tears for fears.
You have been listening to a DACA Media Production.